Welcome to Wearable Progression, from Quantified Self to Qualified Self, a podcast about all things wearables and running, hosted by Kinematics. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Wearable Progression, where we talk about all things running and wearables and technology. And today, we have an industry just, I don't want to say luminary, somebody that I think everybody knows, <laughs> Bob Babbitt. Welcome, Bob, to Wearable Progression. Thank you so much. Great to be with you guys. For those of you who may not know Bob, I'm not sure why you wouldn't, but <laughs> just a, a quick introduction. So Bob is the founder of Babbittville, which is a community for endurance athletes, and uh, Bob's own personal paradise, where all marathons are flat and short, and sunblock never drips into your eyes. Bob started racing triathlons in the late 1970s, and he did his first Ironman triathlon in 1980 on the island of Oahu, and then ended up completing five more when the event moved to the Big Island. Bob is in both the Ironman Hall of Fame and the USA Triathlon Hall of Fame. He co-founded Competitor Magazine, which I don't know a runner that doesn't read Competitor Magazine, and the Challenged Athletes Foundation. Plus, he created Competitor Radio and the Muddy Buddy Ride and Run series. So quite the, quite the history in the running and triathlon community, Bob. So thank you for, for joining us. We're honored to have you. Uh, again, it's a pleasure. And of course, from Kinematics, we have uh, CEO of Kinematics, Paula DeSunch. Welcome, Paulo. Uh, hello, Angela. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So, so Bob, quite the accomplished career in the running and triathlon communities. You know, you founded Competitor Magazine, uh, Competitor Radio, and you did so well there. What made you found or you know start Babbittville? Well, I've been involved with the endurance world for a long time, and when I left Competitor in August, actually two years ago, in uh, August 2014, I still love doing the, I love interviewing people. I love chatting with athletes and finding out what makes them tick and what make, makes them special and, and mm -hmm. how the world has changed technology-wise. So it was just a natural progression to relaunch uh, radio under Babbittville logo. And under and then do the Breakfast with Bob show that we do from Kona and a number of other events uh, so that I can continue to do what I love, which is to talk to people. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say I have to lo I love um, your your classic interview series. How, how's that going and, and what made you start that particular series? Well, the classics have been really special for me because over time when I was doing this, you know, since 1990, when we started the radio show, to be able to talk for an hour with Rod Dixon or John Walker or Greg Lamond and th those type of folks who I always just aspired to get to know one day and just to be able to ask them all the questions that we've always wanted to ask them. It's, and to be able to run those interviews, uh, look back at those classic interviews with a Carl Lewis or John Walker and, and have them relive races with Steve Prefontaine. And it, it's, I get goosebumps every time I re-listen to some of these chats. And what has been some of your own, I guess, goosebump moments, right? So not just from talking to people on the podcast, but do you have any any moments oh, sure. from your own races? What would have been some of those, I guess, yeah, well, like for life? Me, 
yeah, finishing that first Ironman that I did, uh, 1980, when it was only 108 of us, and realizing, because I, I was out there with panniers and sleeping bag and tent, and I thought you did the Ironman <laughs> that you wham 2.4, rode 56 miles on day one, then rode back the next day and ran the marathon. I, I really had no idea you did, did the thing in one day. So when I was able to finish that thing in one day, I actually, you know, it, it sort of gave me, uh, one, goosebumps to come across the finish line. And we're not talking about the finish line now where you have thousands of people. There was like one idiot out in the dark telling me I was done. But there was just something about that finish line that I knew was cathartic. I knew that it had changed me in a positive way. It sort of told me that I could accomplish anything that I set my mind to, no matter how daunting the obstacle. So coming across that finish line helped me to define my future. And I went from that to, you know, I eventually left teaching and started competitor magazine, which led the competitor radio, which led the muddy buddy, which led the challenge athletes foundation and all those type of, uh, those type of moments of, of participating in races. I still do. I probably race 25 to 30 times a year between triathlons wow. and running events because there's just something special about a finish line. I tell people with the sport of triathlon that as a runner, it's really difficult for me to keep improving after the age of 45 or so. But as a triathlete, I'm 65 and I'm going faster than I went 20 years ago. So wow, you can amazing. continue to get better. Well, it is because of technology and because you get better with what you, you know, eating and you can buy a faster wetsuit and you can get better wheels and <laughs> right. more efficient, your tra train less, but train more efficiently. It's really a great era for being able to race forever. I always say that triathlon is the fountain of youth. It's a sport you can do forever and ever and ever. So that's a great segue into the next question, which would be, so after all these years, what have been some of the biggest changes you've observed, whether it's with the triathlon itself or with runners, or you, know, you mentioned technology and you know faster wetsuits yeah. and things like that. What are, what are some of the biggest changes that have impacted the sport? Well, the biggest changes, I think you look at, uh, you know, the clip in pedals, you look at the aerodynamic, um, wetsuits. Actually, uh, Dan Emfield, who created the first wet, swimming wetsuit, Quintana Roo, was writing an article for the first edition of Competitor magazine called Rubber Barons on, you know, would a, does it make sense to swim in a wetsuit? Because back then, surfing wetsuits were not very forgiving. They were bunched mm -hmm. up in the shoulders. And when races were cold and you had to wear a wetsuit, it was considered a negative. People mm. would take these things off and, you know, because... They slowed them down. And when Dan realized, oh, my God, you can go faster with a wetsuit and created the first Quintana Roo, I think he sold 300 wetsuits after this, his article and the uh, ad for, the, for his brand-new company, Ran and Competitor. But mm -hmm. that technology, it changed everything. All of a sudden, we weren't just a sport in the summer. You could, you could race all pretty much all year long. You all could swim in 50-degree right. water, right? That was huge. Then, you know, and as the sport grew... The wave starts so that you didn't send all thousand people or fifteen hundred people off at the same time, and all that with the over the years, just just watching that the GPS and people going up on Strava and posting their workouts so that their buddies can compete with them. Uh, every single day, there's new technology that that changes the game. And how do you think that's affecting? perhaps the the mentality um or the the attitude of of athletes and the community right is it 
bringing people closer? Is it making people more competitive? Is it, um, or just kind of the natural evolution of things? How do you think that's changing things? I think it definitely makes people more competitive because you can, you can, you can post something on Strava, your latest workout, and people can communicate with you about that workout. Also, what I've seen over time used to be if I was a, you know, say I'm a high school runner and I'm running in, in Chicago area, I don't know what other people are doing besides the guys I'm training with. So now those guys can go online and see what workouts Ryan Hall's been doing, right? The, these high school mm-hmm. kids could see what the college and pro guys were doing, and that pushes everybody. If they're doing that, then, I, you know, why can't I do that? And then everybody's mm-hmm. sharing information and getting better. If you think back to the day, I was interviewing Scott Tinley, the two-time Ironman champion, and he and Scott Molina and Mark Allen were all training together here in San Diego and really had no clue what they were doing. Molina was leading the way, and he was very scientific. He said, listen, I know the world-class swimmer is swimming 30,000 yards a week. I know a world-class cyclist is riding 300-plus miles a week, and I know a world-class runner is running 80 to 100 if I'm a triathlete, I'm just going to put all three of those together and I'm going to train 40 hours a week. Well, mm-hmm. that's what he and Tiddly were doing. And it, it created a gap between them and the rest of the triathlon world. Now, it's not sustainable. Your body will break down. But you needed those guys to go out there and, and be the, you know, and be the leader, be the guinea pigs. You needed people to go out there and try stuff to find out what worked and what didn't work. Nowadays, Mm -hmm. people can be so much more efficient with their training. They don't just need to go ride, you know, for hours at a time. They they can use, you know, using power meter and knowing your heart rate and you can figure out exactly what you need to do. So there's formulas now. I I was talking, Jim Vance is is a coach who uses numbers a ton. And Jimmy Mm -hmm. was telling me when he Mm -hmm. has an age group athlete comes to him and says, I want to qualify for Kona. Okay, you're 45 years old. This mm-hmm. is the time you need to get to, right? This mm-hmm. is where you're at now. This is what you need to lose body weight-wise. This is what you need to be riding. You need to be able to ride a 520 for 112 miles. So it's, it's quantifiable. It's not like, God, I hope I can get to Ironman. Well, if you follow this path, you can get there. But it's up to you. But at least you have a path. You know what it takes to get to that, you know, that holy grail, if it's qualifying for Ironman or qualifying for Boston or getting to the Olympics. Right. We actually talked to Jim on where a progression, um, did a podcast with him and he was actually saying that having the historical data from wearables and technology for new athletes that come to him have been really helpful. Like he was, he told the story about one athlete that came to him and, and wanted to improve. And he looked at the data and said, well, for, you know, a couple of years you were improving, but for the last three years, you've just plateaued and you haven't actually improved any. And the athlete said, yeah. And I don't really know why. And, you know, Jim was able to dig down into the data and, and maybe figure some things out, right. Based on his expertise and kind of made a judgment call. But if the athlete didn't have that data from whatever wearable he was using, Jim would have just had to guess, right. Uh, Based on what the runner was telling him. So, so the level of knowledge, that a coach can have, or even athletes can have about their own performance is, is so much deeper. And one thing that we talk about too, is being able to understand that data. So I don't know if you use a wearable or as you talk to athletes that are using wearables, um, what's been the kind of general consensus or what are people saying about 
yes, it's great to have this data. I, you know, do they say, I wish I could understand it better, or I wish it was more detailed, less detailed? What's the consensus about the kind of data that people are getting? You know, everybody's a little different, but what I find is we're getting more and more athletes like a, a Lionel Sanders, who mm-hmm. is, everything is quantifiable, right? He's training in a 100-degree room in his house. He's on a treadmill. He's on his stationary bike with power meter and GPS. He's riding specific courses. Everything is very finite. He knows exactly, very seldom does he go outside. He's been hit by cars four times, I think. So he avoids oh outdoors, <laughs> especially cycling outdoors. He does a little bit of running outdoors, but primarily does everything indoors so that he knows exactly where he's at. And we're seeing, you know, we're out here in San Diego, so obviously people are getting outdoors a lot. But mm-hmm. people can't wait to get home and download their data so they know exactly where they're at. And it's fun. Right. People want to know where they're at, where they were, and where they're going. And you yeah. can't really get that. And one of the things that Jim pointed out when I asked Jim, what, what do you see the biggest mistake that age groupers make? And he goes, they train with their buddies. And when they're training with their buddies, they're basically doing what the buddy does. So for 12 weeks, they might show oh. a little bit of improvement. But after that 12 weeks, they plateau. Because they're just doing, they're they're probably going hard on days they shouldn't be going hard, and going easy on days they shouldn't be going easy. And McKeeley Jones told me actually an interview I did with her last night, the you know, Olympic silver medalist and Ironman world champion. She said the biggest mistake that age groupers make is they there's no difference between hard and easy. They have one pace. They just go out and train. They ride mm-hmm. one pace, and they don't. He says you talk to a pro. And every pro is doing, you know, they're doing their intervals at this level, and then they're doing their their recovery ride or run at this level. But your typical age grouper is just doing one pace all the time, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're they're not getting better. That's why the being able to use a power meter, being able to to train with heart rate makes a huge difference in terms of your success. No, it makes a lot of sense, especially when you, with Jim's comment about you're running with your buddy. Everybody's different, right? Even if you happen to be around the same age, your bodies are different and they're going to perform differently, right? right? So uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. So where do you see all this going, right? The use of power meters and wearables and, you know, I don't know, wetsuits. Like where, where do you see as the next, what do you think is going to happen in the next, I don't know, one to two years as far as technology that's helping athletes? And, you know, it's interesting. Last year, I had a guy come out here with a product called Every Site, and it was basically a, a uh, eyewear that had everything in it, right? So we're talking, mm-hmm. you're, you're riding along, and it basically has the, the map of where you're, what, what you're riding right now. It's showing you your heart rate. It's showing you your power. It's showing everything. It has a camera in the center of the eyewear to basically video your entire ride or take photos. You change the, uh, you change the mode by swiping the temple. And all of a sudden, when you swipe the temple, there's four riders out in front of you and you're chasing them down. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, the technology is just going to continue to change and, and mm-hmm. make it. Because the key is, I think what, what it comes down to is people get bored. So avoiding right. get, being stale is really where all the new technology comes in. And it just allows you, you know, and a lot of times it's just fun, 
right? It allows you, you're riding along and, and you've, you're able to ch- chase these four guys while you're riding. It, it makes the, <laughs> the training part go away and the play part come into, come into play. So we are talking about uh, things that are quantifiable. Uh, yes. What do you think about other technologies to, to get qualifiable data? So, for example, in triathlon, I'm not a specialist, but uh, swimming is very technical. Running yeah, can yeah. be very technical. Uh, maybe cycling is less technical. It's more uh, alignment and, and, and power. What do you think? One thing is measuring. I'm better or I'm faster, I'm slower. But something to, to help us to see ways of evolving when I'm swimming. So what I'm doing badly uh, with my arms or in my legs or also in running. Uh, I'm stepping the ground, how I'm managing my form, um, uh, what happens on my form when I go up the hill or, or down the hill. What do you think about this kind of the evolution of, of technologies that can help on, on, on the form? What I see a lot of, which is really cool, we've got a, a couple of facilities here where when you're in the water, and we're talking like in something that's larger than an endless pool, there's video cameras everywhere. I think there's 10 cameras. What they're doing is you're analyzing somebody's stroke from your hand position, from how you're kicking, uh, analyzing somebody with a wetsuit, without a wetsuit, with a just a bottom of a wetsuit, right? Just a leg portion and with a swim skin. And you can, you can change somebody's stroke. You can really work with it because swimming is so technique. You, you really have to uh, analyze somebody's stroke from underwater and, and see what, they're, what somebody's doing. So I see we're seeing more of that. And then uh, a new product is, I don't know if you've seen the Lumo yet, L-U-M-O, is basically uh, a wearable that you'd wear on your running shorts so that you're, you're, we're talking about cycling with power and you want to run with efficiency. And so what this does, it sort of measures your efficiency as you run. So you can see differences in right leg and left. Are you pronating? Are you supinating? You can really analyze the, uh, the athlete. This weekend, we had a triathlon camp here for our challenged athletes. So we had kids camp and then an adult camp. And Carlos Maleda, five-time Ironman world champion, was filming all the wheelchair athletes with his iPad and he's got a, um, he's able to look at their arm position and draw like a telestrator on their, on the video in slow motion to show them how their hand is, is hitting the, the chair as they're doing the racing chair. And so you're able to, uh, people are so visual, being able mm-hmm. to look at that type mm-hmm. of thing, you can see immediate improvement because they go right out and they put it into action where coach is on the deck and he says, your arm's you know, you're, you're coming in at this degree and it, it's harder than when you get to see it. When you see it, you can, you can change it. I want to say to you that uh, the swimming food uh, suits that were forbidden, the ones built, uh, you remember when Phelps beat all the records and the, and the, yes. they were, they were built here in Portugal, uh, 50 kilometers from my home in, in family country is, is, is from a, a Portuguese company that is doing a lot of, an amazing job in, 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 in smart textiles, not only for swimming, for swimming is, is the thing that are uh, most popular, but that in fact um, helps athletes 
or being faster, taking weight from them. Uh, so a lot of interesting things are, 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 are built there. And it's funny because uh, they are starting, uh, and this is one thing that is quite interesting for me, is uh, starting combining the physical with the digital. So uh, some textiles are kind of electrical wires to connect some kind yeah. of devices to a low mm. swimming. Swimming is exactly uh, because um, there is so so big margin to improvement uh, if you if you if you do technically correctly the the movements that that uh, um, is one of the sports more interesting uh, for those guys i i visit them one week ago and i get amazed it's simply amazed it is amazing yeah there, every aspect of it i remember here at the wind tunnel uh, when you had the u.s postal service team and they would all be here analyzing everything from where the where the sunglasses sat underneath the helmet to the uniform itself how it went through the wind uh, mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. the handlebars, the, you know, the position of the wheels, you, you analyze everything and, and it, you, you really need to in this day and age because you advantage. No, absolutely. Uh, I, I even remember, um, in a bicycle, I think it was, I want to say it was, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on his name. <laughs> Can't believe it. The, uh, live strong guy. <laughs> Can't oh. I think of his name. I have time. Yes, yes, God, what a dork I am. They had a special, I remember a long time ago, where they were showing how they analyzed how, you know, he was in a stationary bike, but in a wind tunnel and, you know, seeing how the wind was coming off and and they would make adjustments to his helmet or his, you know, body position or the bike itself. And it was, and that was like 10 years ago. It was, it was pretty amazing. So we are coming up on our time. And um, so I'll just ask one last question to you, Bob. That if there was sure. a wearable that could do anything, or or a technology that could do anything, what would you want it to do? Uh, I would want it one to uh, you know, basically something I could wear when I was when I'm in the pool that would you know analyze, uh, be able to help me analyze my efficiency in the water, efficiency on the bike, efficiency and run. I think the 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 value of knowledge to me is being able to go faster, but by not training longer, but by training more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And that to me is the, is the ultimate goal of a wearable is how do I do this forever? Um, and how can this product help me get faster today without wasting miles? I mean, I think there's a finite amount of miles in your legs. And the last thing you want to do is, is you know, go past that, that expiration point early in your life. Doing doing it smarter uh, instead of doing it harder. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I, I'm anxious to see at what point we'll start to be able, like, we'll start to combine multiple things, right? So, you know, so at Kinematics, we, we make a running wearable, but it's at what point will, you know, your sensor that takes your, your blood sugar or your lactate burn, will that connect with other wearables that are tracking your form, right? So sure. at some point it's all going to be connected, right? And maybe that comes in with the smart textiles like Paula was talking about where you've got, you know, sensors inside the fabrics that you're wearing. And maybe at that point it'll happen. I mean, it will happen, right? It's just a matter of right. time. Yeah. That'll be cool. But the point is exactly what Bob just said. So uh, our wearable for runners is exactly the same principle. So one of the big mistakes that we see 
is people running and overrunning. Even if they are running badly, they run. They think that if they put miles, will improve. Of course, sometimes they improve, but sometimes they get injured because they 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 are doing everything wrong in terms of the of their form. And we believe exactly on on what Bob said is. Saving miles. I, I like the, I liked a lot your expression. Uh, saving miles is 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 mm-hmm. at the same time or on the same distance improving instead of only doing miles, even if you are not improving at all uh, at all. Yes. And 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 this guidance is why I was also asking about the qualifiable uh, because is the combination. I think the trick is exactly the combination between the quantifiable and the qualifiable. To, to help to see the cause and consequence. I'm doing better, I perform better. I, I'm doing wrongly, I'm performing uh, worse. And, and that is, is exactly exactly where technology uh, must, uh, is an obligation because technology as, 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 as capabilities must uh, help people uh, improving on, on, on this. Yep. And with that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thank you again, Bob. It's been an honor having you and congratulations on all your success. And um, Thank you. We, will, we will certainly be putting the link to Babbittville Radio in our show notes and some of the other organizations that you've founded and are participating in so that people can find out more thank information Thank you very much. There. And thank you, Paulo, as always. And I think that's it. So until next time, everybody, thank you for listening to wearable progression. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do so on iTunes or SoundCloud. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes. That will definitely help others discover us and and listen to really the only podcast that talks about technology and running specifically. And uh, thank you all for listening. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Wearable Progression Podcast. To learn more about kinematics and how better information can make you a better runner, visit www.kinematics.pt.